Welcome to Northgate's podcast. We pray you enjoy the teaching of God's Word. May the Holy Spirit encourage, exhort, and comfort you. We invite you to come and see what the Lord is doing at Northgate. Come and grow with us. May you be blessed by the God of hope. Lord, it's you, it's your word we're listening to, it's not any speaker. We pray that you would limit distractions, keep us in order and focused. May we, as we, yeah, saying, just be ready to receive. And as we come into your word, we can have clean hands. It's simply like looking at Jesus, trusting him, the one who forgives us and makes us holy. And so we look at you, Jesus. And if there's anything hindering us before the word of God, anything you need to confess in your heart, just give it to Jesus. Know you're forgiven and you're loved, but don't carry it. Cleanse ourselves looking at Christ, the one whose work has made us pure. Thank you, Jesus. You're so faithful. You're so good. Pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Amen. If you have a Bible or you look on your phone or however you do it, I would encourage you to be turning to Ephesians chapter 4. And today we're going to be looking at verses 25 through 32. We're taking smaller chunks because it is very, very rich, this book of Ephesians. And before we begin, you know, sometimes it's really important before we zero in on specific verses to again know the context in which they were given. Paul the author, but there's this tremendous depth and journey through Ephesians where we see who we are in Christ. We see all our spiritual blessings. We see that we're saved by grace. We see all of these amazing things and this idea that we're sitting in heavenly places with authority in Christ Jesus. Now that moves in so many different ways. We know that Paul has prayed for the church that they would truly understand this love and this power that they would have. And as he gets in chapter 4, we learned last week and the week before, it's walking in the reality of who we are because of what Christ has done. Amen? So even had a text this week. Dan, did you put on Christ this morning? Did you put on who you are in Him? I appreciated that reminder. And that for you, did you wake up every morning not thinking of yourself but Him and what Christ has done for you and who He has made you? Did you put on the new man? which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Did you renew yourself in the spirit of your mind? What tremendous power in that. And so as you look at the bigger book and who you are and living in that context, we're going to head in more to how we walk in that. And all of this is in relation, as we'll see in chapter 6 and different verses throughout the book of Ephesians, in regards to the spiritual battle that we are in. Because this is greater than us, right? There is a spiritual battle, and we can try and break things down and say, well, it's me against this and that. But God's word is clear, especially in Ephesians here, chapter 6, 
that there is something going on that we don't see and we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. And so the whole journey of the book is here's who you are. Here's the authority you have. Here's how you should walk. And then Paul has two specific prayers to push that in that we would know God, know our inheritance, know the power we would have, that our inner man would be strengthened, right? That we would go deeper in our faith and we would comprehend this amazing thing called God's love, which goes beyond understanding. So, as the more I think about Ephesians, it is jam-packed. And we're kind of whizzing through it, only a few verses at a time, and I know some churches... Take years going through this book because it is so rich and powerful. But today as we go through verse 25 through 32, I'm going to read it. But it's practically what happens when we live knowing that Christ is in us in this authority. And you're going to say, it doesn't sound like that at first hearing, but let's go through it. So therefore, or wherefore, depending on your version... It says this, put away lying. Let each one of you speak truth to his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Verse 28, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give those who have need. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So I have taught this passage many times, and I have heard many sermons on this. And often a direction we take is, here's what you shouldn't be doing. Did you hear some of those things? Here's what we shouldn't be doing. We shouldn't be lying. We shouldn't be sinning in our anger. We shouldn't steal. And we should have positive words. We shouldn't let our words break people down. So I, I look at that and those are very important things to hear. As we are Christians, these are not behaviors that are appropriate for us. I think I taught my kids that, I taught people in my life that, and I thought of that. But I think there's something deeper that we need to attach ourselves to this morning. It's not all what we shouldn't be doing, amen, (laughs) but it's the power in what we can do with Christ's authority in us. You know, as a child, and I was not a great father, I've sent many emails to my kids, sorry, 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 right? Thankful they're all forgiving me, hopefully they all are, (laughs) but anyways, um, but I was a parent And I'm praying God can change me. It was like, don't do this. Don't do that. So whenever my parents were doing something, the reality of my conversation with them was sometimes always, don't do, don't, you know, like catching them, having to correct them. Now, obviously, that's important. 
as a parent, but there's so much more because I should be teaching them what they can do. Amen? And the power of Christ that they can accomplish, and I would even see th- say this, to bring victory with Jesus to defeat evil in our world. You have that power. Come on, give me an amen. <laughs> you have the power because Christ lives in you to truly sit in those places to have authority over evil in our lives and this world. So we see these things, but did you realize as I read those things that there's a negative, but there's always a positive after it? Did you pick that up or were you like me and say, yeah, don't lie, I can't lie, I shouldn't lie, right? What are all the ways I can lie? That's flattery, my, you know, like little lie, big lie, white lie, black lie. What is really a lie? I shouldn't be lying. Well, lying is sometimes appropriate in the scripture. Remember the midwives in Egypt? Was it a little false truth? And then we get all stuck in that. But really, do we notice that it says, let each one speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Yeah, don't lie, but you have this great opportunity to speak truth. Remember, Toby Mack had that old sign, speak life, right? So it's not like, oh, Dan, don't lie. Oh, fill in your name, don't lie. It can be. I have this great opportunity to speak truth to those in my life, to build them up because we are a part of the same body. Now that really encourages me. And I started a practice in my prayer for my kids long ago. Instead of like, oh, Lord, help them, don't do this. God, would you help them to realize... And I would use scriptures, and I still do, as I walk around the yard, and I pray scriptural truth over them. And then when I speak to them, hopefully at times, or when I speak to you, I can speak the truth of the word of God over you, which will bring life, and God's truth, the belt of truth, defeats evil when we wrestle. So as I pray and I speak scripture and truth as I pray, or when I meet people, when I talk to people and I speak truth over them, there is amazing power to defeat evil. Yeah, come on, give me something. Right? Because our mind goes to negative when we don't see in Christ who is truth lives in us and we have this power. And if we let it flow out of us with our words, we can change our circumstances and have an impact around with the people around us. Like this is good. This is good. So if I'm struggling, Amy might say, here's the truth. And I want to speak it over you. I want to speak this truth. Because one of the greatest problems we have as people is believing lies that Satan is telling us. Lies of rejection. Lies of pain. Right? And then we take them and believe them. Some people, and I've mentioned this before, believe things they've heard when they're kids that is a lie and it's dictating their behavior, but yet they need to know the truth. And if they're not reading it or knowing it, we have this great privilege to speak truth to one another because we're all members of one body. So powerful. It's not what you can't do. Obviously, you shouldn't lie. But it's what you can do. And what you can do has authority. Secondly, be angry and do not sin. 
Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Now, how many of us have heard that one before? And we're like, don't be angry. It doesn't say that. You notice that? Anger is not bad. We are emotional people. And that sometimes we need to be angry at things in our life. Actually, the command here from Psalm 4.4 is actually be angry. But, then, but what we're told not to do is not to sin. And I find interesting as we're talking about this, don't go to bed angry. We know that turns to bitterness and that turns to a whole ugly ball of behavior we don't want. But because we're giving no place to the devil. How about that? So when we do it right, we're defeating the devil because he has no place in our life. Are you following me? You know, sometimes we look at this and this word angry... Uh, I heard this week uh, in the Greek, isn't like these big outbursts of like, you know, those people, I was in New Jersey for nine years driving. I know these people. I've had these people come out of their car and want to fight me. You know, we live in Lanark County. We don't know road rage. I cut a guy off accidentally once. Next light got out of his car and wanted to fight me. And of course, in true Dan Fearful, whoa, 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 just relax, sir. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Ah, bleep, 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 back to his car. But that's not the anger it's talking about. The anger it's talking about is that slow simmering down in your heart, control your behavior. You know that one? Actually, I think we all know that one. Because I think when we're hurt, when we've made a mistake, when we hurt ourselves, when other people hurt us, one of the things that we'll feel is many emotions, but it always leads to anger. Anger at God, anger at other people, anger at ourselves. So you go back to what I've experienced, maybe in life or something that's happened And I felt emotion. I was hurt. And when I'm hurt, I process and I simmer and I get angry. You know, in my counseling, it's a huge thing because a lot of people are angry under the surface. And one of the things I say to people as I talk to them, as they start and we start to unravel, like peel the onion off, there's pain. And in that pain comes anger. And the way we resolve anger is we medicate with sin. Follow me. Something happens. I'm really hurt. I'm really angry. I'm really simmering. Okay? Everyone has that. And so what happens is as we bury it and don't express our pain, here's what happens. We have to medicate that awful feeling. And that's what comes with workaholic or doing good works or drugs or alcohol you name it, sexual sin, because what we're trying to do is medicate the pain deep within us, that anger, because it's simmering. And so we do all these things to forget about it. But the problem is it's always there in the morning. That's why we're supposed to deal with it before the night. You following me? And so one of the things is you have to express where you've been hurt to find truth to deal with the emotion. 
And that's why God is brilliant and perfect because he created us. And he says, don't stuff. Find someone you can trust. Express your pain. That hurt. I'm upset. See his truth to minister to that. Hello, are you there? (laughs) This is right. You know why I experience it? And I have red flags in my life. And sometimes I'm angry. I'm vacuuming. But I don't tell anyone because I'm too, oh, good at putting a mask on. And you say, you all right? I'm all right. Just leave me alone. Just get out of here. I'm vacuuming. Whatever, how you do it. And if you let it seep in. Now, some of us are more expressive. And maybe we get to the road rage anger. But usually simmering, what happens is then at a later point, something happens. Woo, and then it comes out and you better look out. And you're like, where did that come from? Well, that's been brewing for about 10 years. Be angry, meaning, what are you dealing with? We're all dealing with something. Express it, trusting the Lord, but do not sin. Right? Right? I'm hurt and I'm pain. I'm not going to go medicate with sin to deal with that. I'm not going to lash out at people. By the way, the medication's all sorts of things, but it can hurt people, right? All of these things, I'm going to deal with it. What I've experienced, you know, like, like, oh, I could spend a long time on this, but people who have been hurt as children or whatever, and hold it, hold it, hold it, becomes anger, it's brewing, and just, it comes out in nasty, unkind ways. There's a better way. And devil doesn't have to control you. But as we obey God's word and see who Christ is, we can express what is going on, see God's truth, deal with that. Doesn't mean those things didn't happen. But I see his truth in those things. And then I'm set free not to sin, not to give the devil a foothold in my life, but to live as I'm called full of the Holy Spirit, with the authority of God. Amen? You cannot be completely productive to what God's called you to if you're simmering in anger and living in sin. And as much as you hide it, we're professional hiders. I'm talking serious now. You're only hurting yourself. And God has so much more for you. Amen? So find someone you trust. Express it. Find God's truth in it. Jesus was angry himself, right? He didn't sin. Maybe when he pulled those tables over. You know, you got to go in the woods and express it and yell at some trees, smack them down. Go do that. So find God's truth in it. So let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that may have something to give him who has need. So the negative, don't steal. And we can steal in all sorts of ways. But what is the reverse of that? Work hard. Work hard with your hands at that time. Know the culture. Maybe the hands <laughs> these days are not computer keys. But remember, it was an agriculture uh, culture back then. So... You, A lot of work with your hands was necessary, but don't steal when you can work, right? And why do you work? Not for the sake of gaining, but for the sake of giving. That's what it says. 
In your past life, you might have stole, but as a Christian, don't do that anymore. Work hard. But what, for what purpose? That you may have something to give him who has need. I love this because once again, we can have impact for God's kingdom. Do you know what? God has blessed some of you guys with incredible skills, incredible resources, and it's not to build your own kingdom and want more. It's to be used by God to be a channel to help others. Now that has impact for the kingdom of God. You know, I told you, I just went to Honduras. There's a there's massive need. There's people everywhere. Well, why do some of you bust your rear end for a bigger house, more cars, more beautiful cars, that next piece of furniture to go on that vacation? And oh, I'm not saying furniture's bad or house is bad. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying we can be that channel for God's kingdom, for his work and for his... Oh, man, we can do damage. You don't have to go to Honduras. You don't have to go to Asia. You don't have to go to some of these places. But the resources and your skills, what you've been able to do, can be used for treasures in eternity. Right? It's okay. It's okay to have resources. It's okay to be good at something. It's okay to make money. God hasn't caused us, called us to poverty all the time. He's caused us, if we're good, to use it to channel it. For his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Now that really excites me, by the way. Because when you go there and you see and you say, I could help, right? I wasn't have like life-changing moment there, but I said, man, if this happened and that could happen and I could do that. And this week I called Caleb and what about this idea and what about that idea? How can we help him there? Right? Because we're so blessed here. But again, you guys are so blessed and good at so many things and bringing in income. Don't build your own kingdom. Build your treasure in eternity. Have an impact for God's world. Yeah. Verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but it was good and necessary for edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Oh man, I've said this a lot. I actually lectured my Bible class this week on this. Come on! The golden rule. If you want people to talk to you a certain way, you talk to them that way, right? Our words aren't too crud. You know, I read the statistic that in a year that we have 11 million words. Some people have more, by the way. Some people have a lot less. You can't even pull 11 out of them. The point is, we speak, right? And our words have power either to corrupt something or to build something up. And here it is. Often I can focus. Don't say that. What? Oh, why do you say that? Right? And of course I need to hear that in my life. And I told my Bible class, I'm like, you got permission. If I tease you, if I make fun of you, just to get loosen up the class, you say, Mr. Shilke, come on. Right? And you guys should have permission with each other. If we're cracking jokes, <laughs> Dan, like blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to defend myself, but someone else should be like, come on, don't talk about him like that. Right? But then moving past that, which is important, but we're not like to internet patrol about what everyone says, right? You ever notice that you listen to a sermon in the comments, half of them are like, ah, he said this and that, right? Come on. That's not our only job. Our job, which has more power than correcting is to edify, to impart grace to the hearer through the Holy Spirit. Uh, has God shown you grace? Come on, has God shown you grace? Yes. 
Has God shown you unmerited favor? Do you think he's up in heaven like Dan's a jerk? No, no. Well, no, no. Now, obviously, he judges in perfect righteousness, but he never looks at you to demean you, to joke about you, to hurt you. I don't ever see Jesus doing that. And for some reason, we corrupt people with our speech. We hurt people to feel better about ourselves in some way. And by the way, in your marriage, if this is what you're doing, and it's got to that point where you're demeaning and talking like, oh, why don't you ever do this right? And I can't believe you. Come on, reality check. Turn it off. Because it's a circle of pain. And I'm tired of hearing, but it's the truth. Well, what's the truth about you? But yet God shows you grace. And if you're going to say something, you say it in love for the purpose of restoration and redemption. Usually we speak about those verses before we're speaking out of anger. Hello. Because we've been simmering in pain. But no, I've dealt with that so I can speak truth to you to build you up. And have this great power to show you grace in my words. Unmerited favor. And I'll tell you something. As people speak and encourage me in the grace of God, I feel on top of the world. I feel like I can do things. And we have this great power because Christ lives in us to be like Christ, to speak truth, to speak encouragement, to speak edification. Come on. If we're a church speaking like that with kind words, edifying, and even if we're correcting in love, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. This place is going to be different. And everybody's going to want to walk through that door because everybody wants to be encouraged and loved. And even in these truths, as I give them to to you, I'm, I'm here to feed the sheep with the truth of God, not to condemn the sheep to put them down. Because if you're always beating someone, they're doing it wrong, they cower away. But if you feed someone, they come to you. Hello! <laughs> right? I'm not lying. This is true. And I'm not that old, but I'm old enough to know this. Marriages, parents, church, work. You can be different. You can change the atmosphere through the power of Christ in you. It's your first word to build up through him. And if you're not getting in Jesus and putting on Christ where we started, this can't happen in your life. If you're not realizing who you are, this, there's no flow, right? But as I know I'm loved, I speak love. When I know what Christ is, who He is, what He feels about me, what He says about me, when I know the conviction of the Spirit to bring it to Him and deal with my sins, there's something that happens. It's called a walk that flows out in my speech in truth and in encouragement. And we have, man, I can't say it enough, you have authority Because you sit in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. As you believe in him, you can be like him. Praise God. So just finally, just to wrap this little section up. No bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, but put away all malice. By the way, that's just like this progression I learned this week. Like bitterness, wrath, anger. It's like, oh, I'm simmering. I bust out. Uh, I think the last one there, malice, is an all-out brawl. Right? Like, so there's a progression 
of this negativity and bitterness that we don't have to deal with, but we can deal how? Here's the positive. Forgiving one another. <laughs> Do you, I will say this. I think probably one of the greatest powerful spiritual weapons, Second Corinthians, that you have is to know God's forgiveness and obey his command to give forgiveness and you defeat the spirit of bitterness and evil. And man, our world is about people who don't... Come on, what is war? What? What is war in our homes? What is war in our towns? What is war in this world? People like, oh, so hurt, so painful, so unforgiving. And guess what? You've all been hurt. You all can hold on to this. But you have a spiritual weapon to forgive as Christ forgave. And it's just the devil cannot win if you live in forgiveness. Period. He cannot win. Because I fight with Christ and what he's done. He forgave me. And if I let that... Man, there ain't no fight if you don't want to fight. When should I forgive? Should I forgive when they ask me? When I truly see repentance, when should I forgive? I'll ask you this. How soon do you want to be free? Huh? How soon do you want to be free? Well, I'm going to wait until they ask me to repent. Okay, you live with that poison in your life. You live with that poison which becomes physical illness, which causes all this anger, malice, brawling. Yes, I've seen it. I'm sorry for saying this. Over and over and over again. And I got a thick skull, but when you see something over and over and you see God's word and this weapon, and if we'll live in unforgiveness, it can defeat that spirit. It's a spirit. It's a spiritual war. And we are in it. And the devil wants to control you by like, oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. And every time you're triggered, you go to your pain and you don't see Jesus and what he's done for you. And here it is so clearly. You have this amazing weapon. I let you go. Doesn't mean I trust people. Did you hear me? Doesn't mean I'm best buddies with people. It doesn't mean come in my life and hurt me again. I didn't say that, did I? But I'm letting go of the debt. I'm letting go. And I'm not saying, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get revenge. And you know what? How do I know? Oh, if you, if you can't pray for that person, ooh. every time you see that person and your first thought's not a good one, you need to go to Jesus. Right? By the way, forgiveness isn't one and out. I found it's every day. Seven times 70, you think it's different sins? It could have been the same sin over and over and over. But the command is the same. Forgive. Why? Not for them. For you. So you don't have to be in the prison, the jail, the punishment of this bitterness and this pain. You want to be free today? Oh, man. You want to be free You want to come into your gifts? You want to come into your authority? You want to be used by God? You want life? You got to let go. You got to forgive yourself and others. That's the power. It's not like, oh, just don't get mad. It's like, forgive. Okay, everyone get that? (laughs) I think it's pretty good. All this pain we live above because of what Christ has done for us. He's given given us beauty from our ashes. Amen.
As we sow in tears, we'll reap in joy. We live sitting with him in heavenly places. You living in ashes today? Give him the God. I think two years ago I did a sermon on giving our ashes to God. I've never had such response from a congregation of people who are holding stuff in. Yeah, is that us? <laughs> email after email. What about you today? Are you holding on to anything? God has so much more. So much more for you today. And this is how we do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That little verse in 30, and we'll finish with this, and I'm not telling you how long it will be. <laughs> do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Ephesians 1.13, having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Remember that all the way back, like an engagement ring? It's, that's who I am, I'm God. The Holy Spirit in me. Proof I'm a Christian as I believe the Holy Spirit comes to live in me. The Holy Spirit is not a spirit or a force. He's a person. A person who indwells us, who points to Christ, who counsels us, who convicts us, and always again shows us Jesus. The thing about the Holy Spirit is we can grieve God in us. I would say there's some pretty crappy theology going around. Sorry. That God is always proud of us. That's not what the scripture says. Easy explanation. God always loves us. Amen? My dad always loved me. I can tell you one thing. Sometimes my dad was sad with my behavior. Sometimes he was very proud of my behavior. I can't say with my kids, I don't love them. I love them very much. But it doesn't mean I'm proud when they're doing the wrong thing. My dad, you're a parent. You have parents. Do you understand what I'm saying? And sometimes we equate love with being proud. And if my son... Uh, no, it's better to use me. If I punched my brother in the face... He's 54, so big wind-up. We play tennis sometimes. You jerk for that point. If I see my dad in heaven, he's like, way to go, son. I'm so proud of you. Hit him harder next time. No! Do you understand what I'm saying? What happens, though, we grieve the Holy Spirit. God in us, we can make him sad. But remember, negative to positive, you can make him proud. He can use you as you choose, because I'm in Christ in belief, not to be the negative, but choose the positive for his kingdom. But the Holy Spirit, God within us, can be grieved in our behavior. And maybe you've prayed sometimes honestly. And you've been convicted of your sin. And this is a really good thing. And, and you're calling out to God. And you feel His sadness because of your action. It changes you because it's a love relationship. And you don't want to make Him sad. But you want to make Him proud. Right? 
So the command, Paul says, listen, you have all of this. This is not who you are. You now don't make God sad because he's given you all that you need. But make him proud by walking in the authority and the power that he's given you in Jesus Christ. Years ago, I did a sermon, The Hose. My kids always tease me like, oh, God, that one again. I plug the hose into the wall. Turn the faucet on. There comes the water, right? You've been out in the garden. And then the water stops and you look at it. Maybe your kid's kinking it on the other end. <laughs> look a little closer. No, just kidding. No, what is it? It doesn't come. We look for a kink, right? Something's on it or something's kinked. We go, we undo it, and then the flow comes. God has given you the power. The faucet as a believer is always on. That's what I'm telling you. The power of the Holy Spirit is always available to you. But one of the kinks, why it's not flowing, is because you are grieving the Spirit. And as you trust and believe in who you are in Him and choose who He is, then that that flow can blast out for God's kingdom. And He wants that for us. He loves us. I, oh, my dad loved me. Our children. Yeah, I love my children. I want to see them operate in the fullness of who God has made them. Right? And that's the loving God. That's what he wants for you. To operate in the fullness of the Holy Spirit that he's given you. To have all authority. But we can't kink it. Not believing who we are and living in sin when he's given us freedom. Uh... I don't know if I did a good job, but this message can change your life. I probably, you know, I get a little excited. I said, be calm, Dan. Didn't work. Um, <laughs> ah. Yeah, thank you, Patricia. The excitement is, in an evil, dark world, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live conquering evil and making a difference. You know, I'm pretty sure Psalm 4.4 where it said, Be angry and do not sin. Like one stanza, next stanza says, Trust in the Lord God. You can look it up and correct me. But all this stuff here, it comes down to this, not trying harder. It's by you believing what this says. Who you are. By truly trusting in who you are, no matter the circumstance, no matter the pain, it can flow through you because I believe, I trust God, I see you. The work of the believer is simply to trust and believe in Christ and what he has done. That's putting on the armor in the spiritual battle to have authority to stand in victory. It is just truly believing. And the question is, are you believing today? And sometimes in my life, I say, I need to say, God, help me. I believe, but help my unbelief. And today in this room, may the Holy Spirit not be grieved. But may we say in confession, cleansing our hearts, believing who we are. Oh, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief flow through me. I want to trust you more and more. I want to have faith. Because you know what the Bible says? It's impossible to please God without... Come again. It's impossible to please God without... Grieving. Pleasing. 
Grieving action, pleasing is faith. Hello? <laughs> what pleases God? You believing in Him. You believing in who you are. That's what God's Word says. You can please God by, I trust you. I'm going to walk with you. I want to believe more and more. And that faith, he, God just smiles so proudly. Yes. Yes. It's not like a golf card just analyzing what you've done right and wrong. He's saying, do you believe? Because as you believe, he's so proud. He's given you flow. Thank you, Jesus. May we choose to believe you today. More and more and more who we are. That we can walk as we are called to have impact for the kingdom of God. May our words be powerful. May we speak life to our neighbor one to another. May we choose to deal with our anger the appropriate way. To live in freedom. May we be givers and not stealers. May we not like fudge the law to get things for ourselves. Because we're not trusting God. But may we trust him that his way is the right way. And may our words, man, may they build up. Oh, we want to be those who forgive that awesome spiritual weapon. So Lord, if there's anything in our faith or our action that's grieving the Holy Spirit right now, would you show us so we can confess it? Confess it to you. Is there any pain that's caused you not to believe? Are you doubting God? I'll tell you, he's not angry with you. He's calling you. He's inviting you to this deeper place where you can know his love, chapter 3, and walk in his authority to do more than you can even think or even imagine. This is your work, God. We're going to take communion so we can believe. <laughs> Remember, if you're new to Northgate, I see a lot of visitors. What we do is David's going to come and sing. It's not a time for words or a word. It's a time to think of Jesus. So the elements are in the back. Quietly and respectfully, we go. We take them back to our seat. We hold them. We think of Christ, what he's done for us, the authority he's given us because he's forgiven us. We think we are free in him, justified by the blood. We're worshiping. Communion is common thoughts about Jesus and his work on the cross. Though we are looking at our life, we are looking at Christ more so. To see that we are his children forgiven and loved. And in this, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And if there's conviction, we turn it to him and we see that he loves us and his forgiveness. We throw shame out the window. After we're done singing, we hold those elements as we're thinking and singing. And we partake together, commonly together, with one accord, one mind, thinking of Jesus. We're renewed.
There will be some people at the back willing to pray for you too if you have needs, if you just need some prayer. Maybe you're struggling this week. We have this great opportunity as a body to pray for one another. Maybe you're sick or there's a need. It's scriptural to lay hands one another and pray. So we'd love to do that as well. Let's enjoy Jesus together. Thanks for listening. If you want any information about our church, check us out at northgateministry.com. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, you can listen at YouTube at Northgate Ministry. Northgate Ministry.